the house of the Lord this morning. Thank the Lord for the opportunity to come together. If you're visiting this morning, we welcome you. Appreciate you being with us on this Sunday morning. I know there's a lot of churches that were unable uh, to have service today uh, because of locations and all of that. I'm thankful this morning the Lord's given us the location that we have and uh, to be able to come together and to be in the house of God this morning. And I'm grateful that those of you that weren't able to have service have uh, made the uh, choice and uh, the trip to come and be with us in the house of God this morning. And uh, we appreciate you being here and we do want you to say that from the bottom of my heart. I want you to feel at home and if the Lord touches your heart, I want you to get in and worship just like you would if you were at your place. And if we're saved, we're all in the same family and we're really all in the same church. There's no one, two, three, four multiple churches. There is only one church and uh, there are a lot of assemblies and a lot of meeting houses. And uh, we have a lot of misconception about the church in our day. We don't come to church. We are the church. We come to the meeting house of the church or the place, the building that's designated to come together where the people of God assemble together. And we're instructed in the Word of God not to forsake that as a manner of some is, but exhort one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. But we're the church. And we'll be as much the church when we walk out the door today as we were when we come in and as we were while we were in the building. And I'm grateful for a building and a place. I'm not downplaying that. But we are the church. God inhabits the church. And you'll not get anything anywhere else that you can get at the church. And I'm grateful this morning to know uh, that I'm a part of the church. I'm glad I'm saved. And we sung this morning a lot of songs about home. And a lot of people talk about heaven, but uh, everybody that talks about heaven, it ain't their home. A lot of people think it is, but I'm glad I know it is this morning. And uh, we singing that one song just over yonder, beyond the river, there is a land of pure delight. And I'm glad I'm going. And it said, uh, just over yonder, I'll see my Savior. And I'm glad I will. We sung that next song, Almost Home. And I'm glad I am. Almost home. And then last song we sung, I'll thank him. And a lot of people have said they got their opinion. I know none of us know. Paul said, Eyes not seen, neither ear heard, neither has it even entered in the heart of man the things God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Now, a lot of people want to apply that only to heaven. I think there's application in that verse to heaven, that eyes not seen, neither ear heard what he's prepared. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. But I also think that there's been some revelation of that in the hearts of the people of God. And I think our understanding, we may not know all there is to know about heaven, and John even struggled to describe it, but I do think I know what's going to be going on over there. We're going to be worshiping for all eternity. Matter of fact, that songwriter said, when eternity I've only begun, I'll thank my Lord for what He's done. What that means is, that's going to be the start of heaven for us, is thanking Him for what He's done. John Newton said, when I've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, I've no less days to sing God's praise than when I first begun. And that's right. 
What he was saying is when 10,000 years of our times pass, we're still going to be doing 10,000 years later what we was doing on day one. And that's worshiping Him. He's the reason we'll be there. And I think we're not going to get there. And I know there's a lot of songs wrote about it, and I'm not falling out with anybody, and I'm not trying to bust anybody's bubble. But we're not going to get over there and ask Him why we went through what we went through. We're not going to go over there and ask Him why He did what He did. We'll understand it over there. We'll have perfect understanding. And that's why we'll be worshiping Him for all eternity as we'll finally really understand. We have a fragment of an understanding in this life of what He's done for us. Paul said we see through a glass darkly. And there's a lot of application there. We understand in part what He's done for us, but we'll understand it all when we get over yonder. And that's why we worship. We, we just understand a little bit. And when He moves on us, it drives us to worship. Can you imagine what we'll be doing over there when we understand it all? When we understand all that He did for us, all the suffering and all the shame and all the heartache and all the agony and all the wrath of God, we'll understand it all over there. And we'll worship Him for all eternity. I'm glad I know that. I'm glad I'm going there. And I hope you are. And uh, if you're not, it'd be a good day to know you are. The Lord deals with your heart. But again, I'm glad you're here this morning. Of course, we miss those who are not able to be with us this morning. And uh, you pray for some of them. Paul is uh, on his way, or probably already there. Uh, They took him by ambulance to the hospital this morning. And uh, he's sick and very weak, fell, and uh, I guess couldn't get up this morning. And so that's where uh, he is, and Sister Connie and Tricia, I'm sure, and others. So you pray for them this morning. Pray for Paul, that God will touch him and help him. And uh, touch him physically, we miss him. And I miss the others that are with him this morning. And uh, I know they desire our prayers. I'm glad I serve a God that's able uh, to help him. And so you pray for him this morning. Then, of course, uh, pray for the Murdoch family today. They'll have the service, the funeral for that little girl. And so you pray for them, that God will strengthen them and help them and uh, touch them in this hour. And I know they need the Lord. And I'm glad I know the Lord's able uh, to help them. Regardless of what the situation, the need is, I'm glad the Lord's able And so I thank Him for that this morning. If you have a copy of the Word of God and are able to turn with us, we'll be in the book of Daniel, chapter number 2. Book of Daniel, chapter number 2. I invite you to turn there and look along with us as we read in the Word of God. Tried to pray about the service today and seek the face of the Lord. And I'd had this scripture on my heart several days last week. Thought maybe I might preach out of it in one of the other services that we've gathered. And the Lord didn't direct that way, but He brought it back to my heart again last night. And to begin to speak to my heart. And so I trust that the Lord will help us together. And I certainly desire your prayers. I'm very much aware of who I am and what I am. And that I can't do anything without the help of God. And I need His help and I need His touch this morning. Daniel chapter 2, let's stand together if you're willing and able to do so out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Daniel chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. I need to read several verses this morning. I'll try my best to read as quickly as I can and not weary with standing, but I feel like I need to read these verses to put the Scripture in its context. Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 1, And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep break from him. 
Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream. We will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if ye show the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain the time, because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me, till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth. And there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry, very furious, and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? And Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known unto Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the, God, the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. 
Then Ariok brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and had said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I know we read several verses this morning. I tried to read as quick as I can and let you be seated. But we read these verses in Daniel chapter 2. And of course we know that in Daniel chapter 1 there's some introductory information, some background information that's given us to bring us to the place of what's going on in Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 1, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, comes to Jerusalem and he carries away captive the inhabitants thereof. And he's not just carrying away anybody. He is, he's come against Jerusalem. He's besieged it. He's took the whole city captive or had taken over them, but he carries away the best of the Lamb. The Bible said that he wants uh, uh, wise men, young men, who uh, uh, that he might be able to teach them the ways uh, of the Chaldeans, that he might be able to give them understanding in all the ways and the customs uh, and the works of the men of Babylon or the Chaldeans. And so uh, we read about these four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is how we know them. Uh, uh, of course, in the Scripture, their Hebrew names are given us and we read them into your hearing this morning in Daniel uh, chapter number 2 but they find themselves uh, among all of these that are taken away uh, uh, captive from Jerusalem and into Babylon and as they go into Babylon uh, they begin to learn the things uh, of the men of Babylon or the Chaldeans those that were in authority those uh, that had power to put it in our uh, terminology they would have been the uh, religious leaders of the days uh, of Nebuchadnezzar are those in the land of Babylon. And so uh, God blessed Daniel and his fellows is what uh, the Bible said. Now the Bible does not tell us uh, how many there were that were taken captive uh, uh, into the land of Babylon. But the words are used uh, in Daniel chapter 1 that among all of them uh, were Daniel and his fellows or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It puts a difference uh, in these four from all the rest, not just of Babylon but from all of those that were taken captive from the land of Judah and carried into Babylon. And of course we know that as they come into Babylon the king instructs them to teach them three years and to feed them to almost the scripture almost reads like the king took them somewhere or commanded them to be took somewhere and locked away and to have no contact with the outside world for three years but to have nothing but to be instructed or indoctrinated in the ways and the wisdom of the men of Babylon. And so they take them there and they appoint them a portion of meat and a portion of wine. 
Of course, we know that Daniel purposes in his heart that he'll not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. And so he says, give us pulse to eat and water to drink. The one that's over them says, you're wanting to take my life. He said, I'm commanded to nurse you and at the end of three years to bring you before the king and how you look and how you fare and the wisdom you have will all reflect back on me. Daniel says, well, if you don't want to do what I ask, give me ten days. Prove us ten days, Daniel says. Give me and my fellows, the other three that we know about, give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Give everybody else a portion of meat and wine. And then at the end of ten days, see how we look compared to everybody else. And of course the Bible said that they appeared fair and fat and flesh and all the rest and so it was appointed unto them pulse to eat and water to drink. And apparently the scripture reads like we read that story and we pass over it like it's just for ten days. But for three years Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they get pulse to eat and water to drink and all the rest get what the king's provision is. And the Bible said that God blessed Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. The Bible never records that he blesses any of the others that were brought captive out of the land of Jerusalem. He only blesses Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. Because they purposed in themselves that they would separate themselves from the things of the world. And that's not what I need to preach this morning, not really what's on my heart, but I'm telling you this morning there are a lot of people in our day that in this church world that we're living in, the world has tried to indoctrinate them and tell them that they need a different way, a different method, a different message, they need a different Bible, they need a different man, they need all kinds of games and all kinds of gimmicks, and they've swallowed it hook, line, and sinker, and the glory and the power of God had withdrawn from them and from portions of the so-called called church in our day but I'm telling you if we'll stick with the old stuff and what we know works of the pulse and the water of the word of God God still honors it there are people that don't understand it I guarantee the captain didn't understand how they're getting pulse to eat and water to drink how they could be fair and fatter than all the rest but God's method and God's ways if we'll stay true to God and teach our children the right way it'll prove right every time and God will bless us for it. We may not understand it. We may not figure it out. But I'm telling you, I know enough to know that the old way still works in this day. We don't need the king's meat. And we don't need the king's wine. We don't need the world's methods. And we don't need the world's music. And we don't need the world's worship. There's none that can worship. Actually, they want to call it worship. But nobody can worship except in spirit and in truth. And so Daniel was preserved and Daniel was favored. And the Bible said in the Scripture that it pleased God. God gave them knowledge is what it says in verse number 17. And skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And matter of fact, if you look in verse number 17, I was reading it again this morning trying to get ready for the service and just try to get along with God. And verse 17 of chapter 1 says, As for these four children, these were not old men. These were Now I know there's a lot of debate and a lot of times the word children can be used for little children. It can also be used for young men. 
But regardless, we can come to the conclusion that these are not old men. These are children or young men who have probably not known anything except Jerusalem all their life. And they've been taken captive. They've been taken away from their mothers and their fathers and their grandparents and their brothers and their sisters have been carried away into a strange land. They're alienated. They're isolated. They don't know where they are. They don't know the customs. They're not at home. They're walking in a strange land. But yet in a strange land, God's still working and blessing and honoring them. I'm telling you, in these days, it's becoming more and more apparent that we're living in a strange land. We don't belong here. We're not at home here. If you can be at home here, something's wrong with you. But I'm glad in the midst of it all, even in a strange land, I'm glad God's still blessing and God's still working and God's still saving sinners and God can send revival and God can shout the saints and God can feed us and God can take care of us even in a strange land. And so the Lord blesses them. And it gives them understanding, not uh, just understanding. I think uh, I'm just going to give you my opinion. I I think the Lord allowed them to understand the things that they were required to learn uh, of the Chaldeans, but I think God spared them and gave them greater knowledge uh, than anything the Chaldeans could teach uh, and gave them wisdom and understanding that only God could give them. And in verse number 20, It says in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them. So now it's not just the record of what God is saying. Now the king is noticing that he finds them ten times better than all the magicians and all the astrologers and all the soothsayers and all the Chaldeans. These four boys out of however many come up out of Jerusalem and out of however many were in the land of Babylon. We learn later on in the story when Nebuchadnezzar builds that idol and sets it up and that he rules over 120 provinces. He's one of the greater world leaders if you have it that's recorded to us in the word of God. And out of all the people in all the land, these four boys and these four children have ten times greater knowledge than everybody else does. Ain't that something? Reads to me like God's taking care of them. Reads to me like if you'll be true to God, He'll take care of you in these days. There's a whole lot of people want to back up because they're afraid. And I understand we're living in dark days. I understand Paul said perilous times will come. And I've heard that preached all my life like it's just times that are dangerous. And I understand we are living in dangerous times and men are wicked and iniquities abounded. But perilous means much more than that. It means it has to do with the spirit. It means it's hard to bear, difficult to cope with. Drain the spirit from a man. That's why the people of God are discouraged. That's why we're weak in these days. It's a product of our time. And many people are afraid because of the days. And they're trying to go with the flow. And go with the the pulse of the king's speed. And go with the world. But I'm telling you, they'll stick to the pulse and the water and the things of God. He'll honor you and bless you in these days. We may not have a big crowd. I'm going to tell you, I'd rather have ten and have the power of God. I should have 200 and God not be in the building. And I understand I'm not qualified. And I know there are other preachers here this morning. And I thank God for you coming and being in the service with us this morning. You could have went anywhere else and I'm not no a good preacher and I'm not qualified to preach the preachers this morning. But I'm telling you, our days are going to get worse and they're going to get harder and the crowd may get fewer and fewer. But I'm telling you, if we got a few, if we just got a handful that knows the power of God and knows the things of God, that when they come in the building, 
field. They really want to be here. I wouldn't give you five cents for a thousand people that all they're interested in is getting out or having the world in the church. We got enough of the world in the church. We need God in the church. We need to power God in the building. And it will be true to Him. He'll order us in these days. He never said He'd give us a big crowd. Never did. Matter of fact, if we want to study our example, our true example is Christ. And He preached His crowd away. Leads me to believe that's probably what we're going to do in these days. I'm telling you, I was having conversations with some folks yesterday. Matter of fact, they're here this morning. And uh, they said something about, uh, uh, you know... Uh, when uh, everybody wants when you preach real easy you know and, pre- and there's a time for encouragement I understand that it's in the word of God exhort with all long suffering and doctrine the word exhort means to cheer on to encourage to lift the spirits and it's in there but it's also in there to reprove and to rebuke and to exhort and everybody wants to exhort it but nobody hardly wants to reprove or the rebuke uh, but I'm telling you it's necessary and needful in our day He didn't say He'd give us a big crowd. There's four of them in the midst of all of them. Matter of fact, everything you read in the word, in the book of Daniel, it's always either one, three, or four. That's all it ever is. It's either Daniel by himself, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by themselves, or it's the four of them by themselves and nobody else. But the, the difference was they had the majority because God was with them. I'm telling you, it's not us and God make the majority. God makes the majority all by itself. And if we'll just stay with Him, oh, we get so caught up in these days about our side and their side. Our side and their side. I'm telling you, it ain't about our side and it ain't about their side. If it had been, the story would have been different in Joshua's day. Joshua walked down yonder to Jericho and he saw a man standing with a sword on his head. He said, are you for us or for our adversaries? Joshua said, you on my side or their side? He said, neither. I'm on neither side. He said, I am the side. I'm the captain of the host of the armies of God. And it wasn't about him being on Joshua's side. It was about Joshua being on his side. It was God that was going to give the victory. God had already promised the victory. And it's in the New Testament for us. Paul said, thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad I'm on his side. Somebody wrote a song long years ago. I don't know who wrote it. Don't know who was the first one to sing it. But they sing, I'm on the winning side. And I'm glad I am. And it ain't my side, it's his side. I'm on his side. And his side is the winning side every time. And so as all this is, I'm trying to get where I need to be this morning. I'm just trying to follow the Lord. As we go through all these things, the Bible said in chapter 2, we picked up reading in verse number 1, in the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Now he's a point I was reading through that and often I'd just read over it and keep going to try to get to something else but the Holy Ghost stopped my heart and he said, pay attention here. And I said, Lord, what do you mean? Now the Bible said in chapter number 1 that Nebuchadnezzar commanded three years for them to be in training. Three years. And this comes in the second year. They're not even done with their training yet. They're still locked up up yonder learning the Chaldeans' language, learning the things of Babylon, being fed pulse and water. And in the second year, Nebuchadnezzar and I would imagine 
that because of Nebuchadnezzar's instruction that all these Chaldeans and all these magicians and all these astrologers are all wherever they are instructing these boys and all the rest. Nebuchadnezzar in the middle of the night he has a dream and it troubles him. And he calls for him to come. And so they leave their instructing house and they come to the king and the king says, I need you to tell me the interpretation. They said, no problem. We'll tell you the interpretation. The reason it wasn't no problem is because they always told the king what he wanted to hear. They said, tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. He said, I don't know what I dreamed. All I know is it was enough to trouble me and break my sleep. He said, so I need you to tell me what I dreamed and what it means. They said, we can't do this. They said, there ain't a man on earth that can do what you're asking. And they were exactly right. There wasn't a man on earth that could do what he was asking. But the story goes, and I don't want to get the cart in front of the horse, the story goes, the king gets angry because they can't. He commands all of them to be slain. would have been an easy thing. Just go up there wherever they are, kill every one of them. And not just them, but all them thousands that they were instructing, including Daniel and his fellows. And Daniel hears, and he says, go tell the king, give me a little time. He said, I'll see if I can't do it. And they went and prayed. And God spoke to Daniel. Daniel came in before the king. The king had said, the Chaldeans said, there ain't a man on earth that can do what you're doing. They said, the only one that can do this is the gods. Little g with an S. And they were partially right. There was a God that could do what the king was asking. And when the, Daniel come in, the king said, are you able? And in long story short, Daniel said, no, I ain't able. And I think the king kind of got took aback and he got angry again. And Daniel said, but there is a God in heaven. And that's what's on my heart this morning. But there is a God in heaven. I got to looking up. Now I want to, I got it wrote down here because I don't want to get it wrong. The word but's a conjunction. We all know that. But I got to looking it up. The Holy Ghost really got to working in my heart. And he said, you look that word but up. It means there's more to add. There's further information. It's fixing to be modified or there's going to be a contrast between what was before and what's fixing to come. Now before was that there was no man that could do it. Before it was only the gods, little g, with an S on the end that could do it. But nobody, they said their dwelling's not with men. We can't access them. We can't get to them. We can't ask them. It's hopeless. There's no hope for us. We can't do it. We all might as well be ready to die. We can't do what the king asked. Nobody can do what the king asked. Daniel said, I can't do it. He said, but there he is, a God in heaven. And I thought about this morning. Last night as the Lord began to deal my heart, and I hope I can preach this like it's on my heart to preach, boys are fluttering in my soul and are running laps in me last night. I thought about all the things. I want to stay in the context of the Scripture here. I don't think we need to go any further. There's enough trouble and enough problems and enough heartache before we ever get to verse number 28 to make verse number 28 so significant. But there is a God in heaven. I thought about the king was hurting. The Bible said his spirit was troubled. And he was afraid. So afraid that his sleep broke from him. Have you ever been hurting? Have you ever been in a trouble that you were afraid? 
Have you ever been in a time that you couldn't see how anything good was going to come out of it? You didn't understand why you was where you were. You didn't understand what was going on in your life. That's where the king is. He don't understand. He don't even know what his dream. He just knows the dream's bad enough that he can't quit thinking about it. His heart's racing within him. He can't sleep. He's caught for them. They can't do anything. He doesn't see any way out. He doesn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And he's hurting and he needs some help. But the Lord said to tell you this morning, even when folks are hurting, there's a God in heaven. I don't know. I look around in these days and there's a whole lot of people hurting. I think about down yonder. In a little while, they're going to gather up in a church on the side of the road and they're going to have a service for a little bitty girl. And I don't understand the whys. I don't understand all there is to know about it. But I'm going to tell you what I do know is that they may be hurting and I know they are. But I'm glad to report to you and to them this morning, there is a God in heaven. He makes the hurting bearable. When we can understand, it ain't about us understanding the hurt. It ain't about us understanding the why or the how. It's just about trusting Him and knowing that despite all the hurting that's going on all around us, there's a God in heaven. I'm glad this morning when folks are hurting, there is a God in heaven. But then I thought about when the king, I'm just going to give it to you, and I won't be very long, I'm just going to give us all my heart. When the Chaldeans are called from the king, and they go in there, and the king says, I need you to give me the interpretation. They say, no problem. He said, well, I got one problem. He said, I can't remember the dream. He said, I need you to tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation. They said, we can't do it. The Chaldeans can't do it. The magicians can't do it. He, they said, there's never been a man ever asked, asked anything. No king, no lord, no ruler has ever asked anything of us like this and we can't do anything to help you. And so not only is the king hurting, but the Chaldeans are helpless. Have you ever felt helpless? Like you trying to fix the problems in your life and the situations you're going through? And the more you try to fix it, the worse it gets. And the more helpless you feel. I, I know I said I wasn't going to get out of the context, but I thought about this morning, on the way to church this morning, I thought about that widow woman up down there at Zarephath that was at the bottom of her barrel. And there's a famine in the land. She had a little boy that she had to feed. And she had one handful of meal in the barrel and a little oil in the cruise. And we're not giving any insight of the days that led up to that day. But I guarantee you, I can tell you what went on to that day a lot of missed meals, a lot of days that were missed with eating. They probably stretched as long as they could stretch it. She tried to make the barrel last as long as she could make it last. But despite all her efforts, despite all her planning, despite how much she loved the boy, I would do anything. I guarantee you, there's a lot of nights that she pretended to eat and didn't eat so that boy could eat. I guarantee you, there's a lot of nights that he went to bed with something in his stomach and she went to bed hungry and in pain and agony how much she loved the boy and she was going to do everything she could but despite all her efforts she still was helpless you say how you know she was helpless because when Elisha met her he said make me a cake she said I ain't got one she said I got a handful of meal in the barrel and a little oil in the cruise she said I got these two sticks right here she said I'm going to go home I'm going to build the last fire I'm going to bake the last cake and me and my boy are going to eat it and we're going to die. 
I guarantee you she had made it stretch as long as she could make her stretch. But her days of stretching was over. Her days of going without was over. Her days of trying to fix it was over. And she was helpless. But I'm glad what Elijah said was the same thing that Daniel said. He said, go and do as you said. But make me one first. For God said that the barrel of meal not waste. Neither shall the cruise all fail. I'm glad when we're down to two sticks and a head full in a barrel and a little oil in the cruise and we feel so helpless like we ain't going to make it. I'm glad there's still a God in heaven. There are a lot of days and if you'd be honest, I'm going to be honest, you'd be honest, you'd agree. There's a lot of days I don't like the two sticks and the handful in the barrel. There are a lot of days I don't like the helpless feeling. There are a lot of days we're brought to there by the work of God. God brought, I can't see any other reason why God would bring this woman to this place except for Him to show Himself unto her. He had already commanded her according to the Word of God. The brook dried up and He told Elijah, get up and go to Zarephath which belonged to Zidon. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. I want you to notice that. The Lord didn't say I commanded her to give you one meal and you move on. He said I commanded her to sustain you. To feed you as long as I tell you to abide in her house. So the words already come to her. And she's probably down there. She's like me. I'm probably like you. She's down there looking in the barrel when it's half empty and hoping the man of God hurries because she's going to run out. She's probably looking at that when it gets down to a quarter. And she says, if he don't come on soon, I ain't going to be able to do what you say, God. Has the Lord ever dealt with your heart about something? And you say, I can't do what you say, God. I'll never forget the Thursday night. The Lord been dealing with me already about preaching. I was trying to deny it and trying to run from it. And my denial always was, I can't do this. I can't do it. And I've heard a lot of people and I'm not downplaying them or discrediting anybody. I don't want you to take that. We're all different. We all preach different. But we all have the same calling. But we're all flesh and blood and we all have different personalities. And I've heard of people running for weeks. I've heard of people running for months. I've heard of people running for years. That's between them and God. I'm not discrediting them of being called any more than anybody else. I didn't run from God very long but it was a hard run while I run. But I remember a Thursday night I got to the bottom of my barrel. And I'm going to tell you this morning, there's a lot of times the Lord lets your barrel get to empty so He can use you and show you who He is. He brings you the helpless state. God was going to prove Himself to Nebuchadnezzar and to Daniel and to all the people in Babylon that He was the God that would trump everybody else. And I remember that Thursday night when the bottom of my barrel showed up and I said, Lord, I'm done. I can't do this no more. I can't run no more. Whatever you want me to do. And I knew what he wanted me to do. But you know how our flesh is. It sounded real good in me. Whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. I'm going to tell you this morning, you may feel pretty helpless. Your barrel may be a wasting away. You may be down to your handful. You may feel like the Chaldeans. You may feel like the king. King not only was hurting, and the Chaldeans were helpless, but it made the king feel helpless too. And he was a man I... I hadn't thought about this till just now. He's a man who's not used to feeling that way. And he don't think he ought to feel that way. I'm going to tell you sometimes if we're not careful, 
We'll feel like we're the people of God and we ought not have to feel this way. Lord, we're doing our best to live right. We ought not to be feeling like this. We come to church faithful. We ought not to be at the bottom of our barrel, God. And if we're not careful, then we'll react as the king did. The king didn't think he ought to feel this way. And so not only was the situation helpless, but the king got hasty. Now we think about that. I thought about, and Brother Tim's mentioned it in Sunday school and other times. Now I've mentioned it too in preaching the words from the Bible oftentimes are lost in our English understanding. And the word hasty don't just mean that the king reacted quickly, but it literally means that he acted harsh, severe, or he cut it close. What happened was the king heard, he was hurting, and they said we can't do it. And the king started experiencing this feeling he never had felt before, and he didn't like feeling this way, and he got angry. And he said, well then, if that's the way it's going to be, I'll kill all y'all. And he began to lash out and hurt people who had done nothing wrong. And I'm going to tell you this morning, there are times in our life if we're not careful, because we may feel helpless or because we're hurting, we'll act hastily. We'll go to hurting people. And I'm going to tell you on the other side, there may be people we love and we come in contact with and we have no idea what they're going through. And they may be hurting and they may feel helpless and they lash out at us and it breaks our heart. And we go home, they say things about us, maybe even say things to our face that we never ever thought. Maybe our own family, maybe our own flesh and blood say things to us that we never thought we'd think about. It breaks our heart. But I'm telling you this morning, despite how we feel and others feel and how we're treated or we treat, there's still a God in heaven. Daniel couldn't understand it. He said, why is the king's decree so hasty? Why is he doing this? I wasn't there. We weren't there. Why is he doing this? And sometimes we'll feel that way about ourselves. Sometimes we'll feel that way about others. But I'm here to tell you this morning, regardless of how we're treated, there's a God in heaven. And Daniel didn't at that point. Now we can preach like Daniel, some superhuman, but he ain't. He's flesh and blood. He didn't understand what all was going. Matter of fact, Daniel was afraid, and I can prove to you, because he goes home and he tells them other three boys, he said, I want you to go to your prayer chamber, and he said, I want you to beg for the mercy of God. See, the Bible said because the king was so angry and because his decree was so hasty that they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. So now it's not only helpless, now it's hopeless. Now it looks like, best we can see, all the wise men, including Daniel and them three boys, they're going to die. All because the king was hurting and he couldn't get any help. I'm going to tell you sometimes in our life now, we, we are never without hope because our hope's in him. But we have plenty of times in our flesh we feel like we're without hope. Now hope is an expectation. Hope's not a maybe so or a chance thing like you hope something's going to happen. That's not Bible hope. Bible hope is a sure persuasion. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is an expectation and a persuasion that He's coming. And we never lose 
hope in Him, but sometimes we lose the expectation in our flesh. That's why Paul wrote all hope that we should be saved in Acts 27 was taken away. He had got to the point in his life that he no longer expected it to turn out good for him. And you may be there this morning. That's where Daniel and his fellows and all the wise men, not just them three, but all the ones they brought back from captivity, all the Chaldeans, all the magicians, all all the astrologers, all the soothsayers, they were all hopeless. Because the Bible said they were seeking for them to be slain. I don't know. It's not in here. I don't know, but maybe that the executions hadn't already started. I don't know how many there were to kill. Maybe Arioch had come on and went ahead and started. And Daniel said, maybe he'd come to Daniel's house. <coughs> now the Bible said God had given them favor. God blessed them. And maybe Arioch come and he, maybe Arioch, I don't know, I'm just reading between the lines. I'm not trying to add anything to Scripture. Maybe Arioch had left others' houses and he didn't care about taking their lives, but he might have knocked on the door. Daniel come to the door and he saw his disposition. He said, what's the matter? He said, Daniel, I'm sorry. But he said, I've come to kill you. He said, the king's angry. And he told me, kill all the wise men and you're included. And Daniel said, go tell him to give me some time. He said, I'll go get Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, we're going to beg for God to give us mercy. That's what the Bible said. said they went, he went to them and he said, beg for the mercies of God that will not be slain like all the rest. And that's really where I want to preach this morning. I'll be done. You may be here this morning and you may be hurting and you may feel helpless and you may be acting hasty and you may feel hopeless. But I got to reading that scripture and the Holy Ghost got to working in my heart that Daniel walked in them uh, the doors where them three boys were. And I guarantee he didn't go in with a smile on his face. I guarantee he didn't go in like it was just some other day. He didn't ask them to pray like they'd pray any other time. But the burden was getting heavy. He said, boys, our life's at stake. He said, we better beg for God. God's given us mercy so far. He's made us ten times better than everybody else. He made us better with just pulsing water. We better beg Him for mercy again. I want to tell you this morning, you may be here and the burden may be getting heavy in your life. I'm going to tell you while the burden's getting heavy, there's a God in heaven. And not only did the burden get heavy, but the Bible said that He went and He asked them and then the Bible said it uses the words then. So it means there were some hours that passed between the starting to pray and matter of fact, the Bible said it come in the night vision. I don't know how many hours passed between when Daniel got word and Daniel went to them three boys and them all four started. I don't know how many hours passed between the time they started praying and the answer come to Daniel. But I'm going to tell you this morning, while the hours were passing, there was a God in heaven. And he wasn't fit. He didn't. Them hours did. If I could get this out this morning, like it's in my heart, them hours weren't passing because God was trying to figure out what to do. God already knew what to do. The burden wasn't getting heavy because God didn't know what to do. God already knew what to do. A matter of fact, before Daniel and them boys ever come out of Jerusalem, before Nebuchadnezzar ever came in, before the vision ever come to Nebuchadnezzar, had he dreamed the dream, God already knew what he was going to do. 
I'm going to tell you this morning while the burden's getting heavy and the hours are passing and you're wondering how long you're going to have to carry this weight. How long it's going to be. How long, Lord? How long, Lord? As people in the Bible ask Him, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? But I'm telling you, the hours ain't passing because God's trying to figure out what to do. God's a work and there He is. A God in heaven. It doesn't, I, I may not have covered it what you're going through this morning, but I want to say this, regardless of how you feel this morning, regardless of how life's going in your life, regardless of what you've come in contact with, I want to tell you there's a God in heaven. Not just there is, but you've got all this stuff going on. feel like your world's coming to a crash. Feel like all the pieces are falling apart. You're helpless and you're hopeless and you're hurting and you're hasty and the hands are passing the burdens getting heavy. But there is a God in heaven. The Bible said that the vision come to Daniel in the night. And Daniel blessed the Lord. Ain't that something, Daniel? I mean, his life's at stake. And the vision comes and he don't jump up and go running to the king. He takes time to bless the Lord for answering his prayer. And I'm going to tell you this morning, sometimes I'm afraid We get so caught up in all the things that are going wrong in our life. When the Lord works, we are so, and we ought to be enthused, but we forget to take time to praise the Lord. Daniel blessed the Lord. And then he went to Ariok and he said, take me in. Ariok let him in. And the king said, have you come? Can you tell me the interpretation? Daniel said, the wise men, the astrologers, the Chaldeans... They could not. And I think really what Daniel was saying because he was really technically in that category of the wise men. So Daniel's saying, I cannot. He said, but before you get too carried away, there is a God in heaven which revealeth secrets. And he said, he showed me tonight what your visions were. What come to your head? He said, the Lord spoke it to me. And he said, I've come to tell you what you dreamed and what it means Because there is a God in heaven. I'm going to tell you this morning. I don't know if you've got anything out of it this morning. But I've done what I'm supposed to do. Maybe you need to hear this morning. Regardless of what's going on in your life. There is a God in heaven. Regardless of the situation. Regardless of circumstances. Regardless how bad it gets. How little the crowd may dwindle. How many times we feel like giving up. How many burdens we carry. How heavy the load is. There's a God in heaven. And he knows, Daniel said, you know what goes on in the dark. I'm going to tell you all them things. I think what Daniel was saying is all them things that nobody else sees, Lord. All them nights we cry, all them prayers we pray. He said, it ain't passing by you. You see it all, Lord. And We come into the house of God sometimes. I'm just being honest. We look around at others and they're smiling. And deep down on the inside, we feel like if they knew what we was going through, they wouldn't be smiling. If they was going through what I was going through, they wouldn't feel the way they're feeling. I'm going to tell you, they may not know. And you may come in sometimes, and I look across the congregation, I'm going to tell you what we are. We're flesh, and we're really good at putting up a front. And I may never sense that anything's wrong with you. And it may pass me by as much as I love you, and I'd help you, but there really ain't nothing I can do. But if anything I could do, I would do, but I may not know it. It may pass me by. It may pass your husband or your wife. It may pass your parents. It may pass your children. It may pass the whole congregation. 
I'm going to tell you what, but there is a God in heaven that when I don't see it, and you don't see it, and they don't see it, He sees it, and He knows. When I don't know, He knows. When I can't figure it out, He's already done figured it out. When I can't work it out, He's already worked it out. When I can't put it back together, He's already done it. There is a God in heaven. Let's stand all over the house this morning. I'm done. I don't know if you need.